You are listening to the Moms Full Circle Podcast, a place for moms or moms-to-be to come together and support one another, laugh together, maybe cry together, ask your most random baby questions to judgment-free, and tune in to hear all things motherhood. As a mom of myself, I know the importance of having a tribe to lean on during this wild ride. I hope this podcast will do that for you too. So grab a cup of coffee or maybe a glass of wine, probably the video monitor too, and let's dive in. Welcome back to the Moms Full Circle podcast. Today I have Krista on the podcast. She is from the account Enneagram and Marriage. She is a relationship coach. She also hosts her own podcast, Enneagram and Marriage, and you can find her there on the web too. So Krista specializes in using your Enneagram in your relationship to benefit your relationship. So if you're not familiar with Enneagrams, she dives into that today and how to figure out what yours is, what your spouse's is. But then from there, in her unique coaching style, she uses that information to really come up with a plan of action for you and your spouse and to create what she calls a glow. So the glow that she talks about is how those two Enneagrams work together, how they rub off on each other, and how they create a unique relationship that's really like no other relationship out there. It's yours and your spouse's or yours and your partner's. I loved this conversation. We touched on what marriage or partnerships look like, especially after having children in the early days and as they get older and become busier, and how to kind of keep the marriage alive uh, using the Enneagrams. She also shares at the end some resources, um, guides that she has, ways that you can work with her, as well as a product that she'll be coming out with that I'm super excited about to definitely try out with Keith. So I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope that you get some information out of this that you could apply to your relationship or your marriage. I know for sure that I did. Check out the show notes for where to find her and make sure while you're here to subscribe to our podcast, to follow me on Instagram for updates, and I will catch you at the end. Well, hey, Krista, thank you so much for coming on the Moms Full Circle podcast today. I will have given you a little bit more of a lengthy intro, but you wear a lot of hats. You do a lot of things. You're a podcast host, a relationship coach. You run a great Instagram. So I want to hand it off to you to kind of tell listeners who you are and what you do and how you got here. Oh my gosh, thank you, Caroline. I'm so happy to be here. And I got here by a crazy story, as I'm sure every coach has behind them as to why they go into working with couples. It's kind of a, an interesting niche for a therapist or a coach to do because couples fight a lot, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to be comfortable with that. And I grew up in a home where my father had won tournaments for debating and he is um was an eight and my mom was a nine and so i was almost always in that role of mediator and i actually liked it and felt like i was good at it and i totally know that's not healthy but it it was the way it was and that's how it is sometimes in childhood so i decided to go into it for a field and I've loved it ever since. So I've been literally doing um, couples work since I was little, I like to say. Oh my gosh. Well, that's such a cool story, though. You actually don't hear it that often that people's coaching background came from experiences in life so far before that. It's usually something triggered in adulthood or late teenagers, but that's really cool that you have that. 
<laughs> Thank you. I do like it now. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, but they actually were like, you're pretty good at this. So yeah, um, I, I made some mistakes too. Sometimes I overstep boundaries. I tried to plan them a surprise anniversary party once and they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I've just always loved romance stories. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Now you touched on, you know, your parents, one being an eight and one being a nine. So for those that aren't familiar, can you talk a little bit more about what Enneagrams are? Um, and how do people find out what theirs is? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. So basically, when you're learning and going through coaching, or even just as a listener, a mom, just trying to figure out marriage and life and yourself, even if you're not married, um, the Enneagram is a great system to help you to do that. Even outside of just your typical personality test, you might have taken some colors tests or the MBTI, or there's just so many personality tests out there. And I love this test because it gives you compassion for your spouse in a new way. And mm-hmm. that is what changed my marriage. And my first couple I worked with ended up being a three and a nine couple. And as you get to know those types, you'll see, oh, the nine is more of a peacemaker and the three is more of an achiever or performer, some mm-hmm. would say. And when they were able to see, these are our gifts, but here are the weaknesses that go with it. For the first time, they were able to take blinders off. And so were my husband and I to see our types and to say, oh, wow, the things you've been saying about me all these years, you were actually right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's always yeah. humbling, right? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Now, You talk about that you use the Enneagrams and you kind of pair it with research and things like this for your coaching. Can you talk a little bit more about this process, I guess you could call it, and what it really looks like when a couple comes to work with you? Sure. So when people come in, they usually have an issue of communication and intimacy or finances or just fighting um, and talking through difficulties. Often they're past the honeymoon stage or there never was a honeymoon stage because now they have a child and there's just so many issues that they can come in with. So when they first ask or get help, usually I try to help them to understand who they each are and what was one of their core fears, what is one of their core longings. And when I start to hear those wounds, I can start to identify what are their probable Enneagram types. And once we do that, it helps their spouses and them to be a bit more disarmed. So instead of saying we came in today because my spouse is controlling, we may realize, oh, that spouse doesn't feel heard by you. This Mm. is their issue as a nine is they don't feel heard. So you might think they're being controlling when they're finally just trying to use their voice. Or maybe the spouse is an eight, like we said, like my dad was, and it's the challenger protector. And they're trying to... Uh, make sure that they're not vulnerable to attack. So when you start to see these differences come alive with some of the underlying roots, there's this compassion that comes out. And then now there's a willingness to work on the issues versus just he said, she said. Mm, Yeah. And I think I would imagine, because even from personal experience, sometimes it's hard to find that compassion, especially when you're in the heat of the moment and you see things one way because of your personality type and it's really hard to see it from another's perspective. Like, do you find with the couples that you work with, is there kind of that that process of, like, how do you go about helping them to see that other point of view? Maybe they don't agree with it. Maybe they don't see things that way, but they do have to find that compassion and that way to work together. 
Mm -hmm. Yes. I usually start with trying to hear about the good elements of their story. Usually, even if people didn't have a honeymoon phase, there was some wonderful little moment that brought them together. And so I try to build them up. I also try to start with helping anybody who's listening. It's always good to start with self-care before you start attacking problems, because usually you're not in a replenished state. And if you think of your emotional capacity as like a glass of water usually people come in when there's only a couple drops left so if i'm going to start talking with them about their problems first and trying to build compassion for their spouse first that's not as easy as it is for me to first say let's help to get you replenished let's work on little bits of anxiety depression um, maybe some time management and of course just a lot of love and support for that person and mm -hmm. then after we take some time for that which can take anywhere from literally five minutes to three sessions um, just depends on the person now we can start to say all right we're getting you a little bit of refreshment i'm starting to hear your story i'm hearing your frustrations let's allow some of your spouse's stuff to come out too and so i start to identify what are some ways we can be compassionate to your spouse? Did your spouse have any trauma? And that's usually now when the person says like, oh, you know what? Like, yes, their family was a hot mess, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now they're ready to say, I'm starting to feel a little bit better, starting to feel more support and trust toward you, Krista. And now I can tell you the truth is my spouse has a history of difficulties. Now we can start stepping into compassion for them and their type. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And then when you do this, do you work with... Um the couple together do you work with them separately do you work with just one of them like how does that part work it's all different because everybody comes to me with differences mm -hmm. i think my favorite way is to work together because then we're all seeing it as i i trained as a family systems therapist before i became an enneagram coach so that's what i did for about a decade before i moved into enneagram coaching and so I love to see as many parts of the system as possible to make my earliest assessment. And people just ask me that all the time, should I come in or should we both come in? And I, now I do Zooms and I'm like, I, if you can both come at the beginning, that's great. So I can see nonverbals, so I can hear hearts, you know, see who's like long gone, who's checked out, who's in and the dynamics. But you know, this can absolutely happen where I just say, you know, let's let each of you have a chance to tell your story at the beginning. So say there's two people there, that's how I do it. Gotcha. Each get a chance to tell a little bit of your story. And like I said, it may take a few minutes or it may take several sessions to allow the work to begin together. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now you talk about on your page and on your, your website, the Enneagram Glow. Can you talk a little bit more about um, what that is and what that looks like in your coaching practice? Sure. Well, I notice a lot of Enneagram teachers really describe uh, the growth process as a light. And even as a person of faith, I see that a lot in my faith life, that we're wanting to be the light of the world. And so when I started to investigate many, many, many couples of the same pairings, because out of the nine types, there's 45 different variations. Like you could have a two and a five and a three and a six. Um, and then within those 45 variations, I had been seeing so many clients over a number of years that I was like, man, all the two fives are acting this one way. And I'm noticing the specific ways they rub off on each other. Like that's a very introverted and a very extroverted pairing. And I was noticing that twos who are usually very sunshiny and that's the helper giver the fives which are like introverted a lot of these twos were like i stay home and i read a lot and you could tell that they had a very five-ish quality to them so i started to realize that 
our traits rub off on each other right from the very beginning of the relationship. So I just started to label it as a light and a glow. And I talked to some of my colleagues about it and my husband and my husband and I were walking one day and he was like, it's like a glow. And I'm like, yes, it's a glow. So that's how we decided to conceptualize it as Enneagram and marriage is when you are shining brightly together in the world, you have a particular hue that no other couple uniquely shares just the exact same way as the two of you. So it's a beautiful thing. Of course, others of your similar pairing are going to have some similarities too, so that you can learn some of the best ways to grow as your pairing. But like I said, also it's fun to realize like, no, we do cast a specific light together. That's really cool. Yeah. And you're right. Like even from the beginning, qualities of our partner kind of rub off on us and it does make the couple unique but I also like that you take that approach of turning it into a positive a glow how can we work together how can we be us together because I think a lot of times marriages or partnerships kind of get to that point where it's maybe you're trying to change the other person um, because you want them to be a certain way and it kind of takes that negative turn and it seems like you're coming from a place really of like positivity and teamwork hmm Yes, I am, because I don't think you can shape a behavior negatively. I've been having that happen with a lot of ones this last couple weeks in my sessions. I got some deeper work done with ones, because I happen to have a day with three ones in a row for sessions. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're all saying the same thing. And it was fascinating, because they all said, I can't give my partner any grace, because if I do, it's not going to shape the behavior I want if Mm -hmm. it's not done perfectly. And then I was like, wow, they don't realize the psychological studies tell that if you see a small behavior in the right direction, you've got to shape it with encouragement. And by shaping, I just mean even going back to rat labs, like, you know, if you see a rat make a small, I had to have a trained rat in my clinical training, (laughs) but you see them make a small little turn towards the right or to the left, you reward that behavior. And so the ones were saying, oh no, like I'm a perfectionist. I want it done full and I want it done right. Um, And they were not shaping any positive behavior. So I'm not trying to be all full out behavioralist. I realize that doesn't work, but it does help us to see the research. And then of course I have human research to go with this too. Yeah, sure. That when we're encouraging, that's what does it. So I have to admit that we all have a shadow side and we can even go into darkness. And that's part of my stages of your Enneagram glow. Um, Because that's when usually people see me is when they're in shadow. But I really like to emphasize immersing in the work and coming out on the other side with a brighter, deeper, richer hue together. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Now, you've touched a little bit on that piece of motherhood, but um, because we have lots of moms that listen to this podcast, I would imagine, again, from personal experience from others that I've talked to, stepping into parenthood is a wild ride and for the relationship it's a wild ride you know this is my first so I can't say like oh it's the first year of life it's forever that it's like this but do you have a lot of couples that come to you after having their first or even after having multiple that they're just really struggling to connect as a couple Yes, as you know, it is huge and every couple will approach that differently. Many couples will really struggle because they're just so different and as you know, 
your love for your child just completely overshadows you would lie over a train track a million times for that child and now your spouse you're like meh <laughs> so, or they're like that with you depending on who's a little bit more romantic but it really is just an exhausting time and multiple children just add to that and you have these seasons of middle marriage where it's the doldrums so you really start to have to fight for the marriage system over the years and it, it looks different with every season but you really have to keep a consistency going with fighting for your marriage even sometimes when your child says i don't get it because your child isn't speaking yet yours isn't but once they do their voice is in the mix and you have to honor that voice and consider them but you also have to fight for your marriage even sometimes when they're wanting the attention so it's a really interesting system yeah well and i think a lot of the advice that you hear is you know make sure you still plan a date night but that's like a big one that you hear about and while that time is important the things that you're talking about and the practices that you give your couples i'm sure are a whole lot more effective over the long run than just a date night Yes, and date nights are part of it, but it's so important that you add in more because you can't ignore the rest of the issues that come up. I mean, you can ignore them, but in a date night, honestly, will help a lot of them because you'll have some reuptake, especially if you include a date and then intimacy afterwards. And on the date, you don't talk about stress. Mm -hmm. But like you're saying, if you just have a date where you don't talk about stress and you just have sexual intimacy after that date, you're still missing so much time. And I believe research tells us we need six to 10 hours a week of time together, not just a two or three hour date night after your child goes to bed on the couch. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, for the couples, it's hard to find that time. I know even like with my husband and I, we own a gym and his hours are evening hours. But then when we're home during the day, we're both working for the gym, getting things done and then being with our daughter. And it's like you get to the end of the day or you get to the weekend and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't even checked in with you. Like, how are you? What's new? What's going on? What are your stressors? And then it's like, actually, we don't have time to talk about your stressors because we got to move on to the next thing. Right. And that friendship has to be developed even if you're like, like you guys are ambitious people or my husband and I are also very ambitious. So we have to fight for it extra hard. And we have had to realize there's a flow with every new season. The best advice I got as a parent was transitions are part of it all. And just as soon as you get used to one stage with your child, be ready for that to shift and enter a new one. So that said, that same thing is true about your marriage in the seasons of parenting or busy work life. So make sure you keep shifting and don't be cruel to yourself like, oh, I'm so bad at this, but just be curious, like what's happening? Like I've noticed we have not been good at our date nights lately or we have no rituals. And you could say some of them that are important and they are and research well are the coming and going behaviors. Like when you're entering a room and exiting or saying goodbye and hello, those are important and they only take a few minutes to say somebody just came home i'm going to greet them Mm -hmm. but i was just doing a session with a couple this week and for her she really needed to come home and let down and relax before she ran in to say hi to her husband because she's not happy when she first walks in and she particularly needs a second to settle in so i would say more important than even research is doing your own research and being a scientist of your relationship Maybe you find a breakfast, like for about four or five years, my husband and I 
had to get up early, like super early, just to have a breakfast together every day. And it made our marriage last. Like, I don't know if our marriage would have made it without those breakfasts for those years. So you have to find the one place where you can find, if not six to 10 hours a week, then however many you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be curious then, like in your, in your marriage, mm-hmm. how have you guys used, you know, your coaching practices and what you know about each other and these transitions that you've talked about to kind of benefit you? Well, we've basically used my coaching practices to both notice that we're not perfect and to just be humble on ourselves. Like, okay, you know what? This is your field, but you're not always super good at it. Um, That was something we actually had to process through because my husband is a type one perfectionist and he thought because I was a coach, I would be perfect at marriage. And we just, I mean, we threw it all out there. All of our scientific reasonings, we're both scientific. And we were like, no, I'm not. (laughs) You know, does this mean I have to leave the field? And we're like, "Mm, no, but it is humbling. So that was probably the first thing to learn is we're just people too. And in my coaching consultation and teletherapist network, that question came up recently also of, um, you know, it's hard when people think we would be perfect. Um, so we're not, I have to start right there, but otherwise the date nights help us a lot. Finding the time to process whenever, whether it's breakfast or right now it's Friday morning, Saturday morning and Sunday morning, because now my husband's up even earlier so he can have all day Friday off. Um, those are practices that for us work. And it's basically this, that we need quality time together because yes, we like certain love languages like access service and certain things about each other's Enneagram type that attracted us, you know, like, like you're saying, like, what about Enneagram has helped? It's like, I love that my husband's a detailed type one that I can count on. He loves that I'm a fun, spontaneous seven that he can count on. But if we're not having any time together in the week to enjoy those things and to really spend time together, then even our Enneagram type work doesn't matter that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're a great guy from afar. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I like how you touched on too, you know, for you guys, it was getting up really early just to have breakfast together. Cause I think that's another thing you hear a lot from couples, new parents, seasoned parents is that piece of time. And well, we just don't have time to do it. And you know, I think you could use that excuse probably forever and it's not going to get your relationship anywhere. So you guys really just made the time and maybe some mornings it didn't seem ideal to get up early and do those things. But you know, it's that it's just like getting up and doing a workout in the morning. Like it's just something that, you know, is going to benefit you, even if it doesn't always sound like a good idea. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And our workouts together have been huge over the years too, but you also go through seasons where you're working out together, you're working out different, you're tag teaming. So like I said, the biggest thing is time and also realizing grace to yourself through the transitions, but not just so much grace that you just give up that you're like, Oh, it's not a season for date nights. We're not going to have sex. We're not going to do, you know, you have to fight for it. I can't stress that enough. Mm -hmm. And I hate to admit that as a type seven who likes everything to be optimistic, but you do, you have to fight for it. It is hard. There are going to be people who try to get with your spouse because people like a responsible, organized, good person. And you have to be willing to say, this is a person I'm going to fight for. And I'm going to show them that I see their gifts for their Enneagram type. And I love this about them and their worth. But if I don't give any time to them, 
they're never going to know it. Like we have two date nights planned this weekend. We have three kids, teenagers and an elementary age child, and they are legit busy. I want to tell every mom out there that I thought that it would get easier after the baby years and it does for a little while so I can comfort you with that <laughs> but then it goes back when they're like already now all in soccer and ballet and who knows what I would say we have 15 sports between the three um, because they're all social people very mm -hmm. highly social like my husband and they're very vibrant energized healthy people who want uh, music who want an art etc so we're not over the top we have Wednesday night to be family night that's another thing we instituted and we really stick to but it's really important that you say we have to get our time into because we could be totally toppled over mm -hmm. and it's fun stuff like in the baby years it's hard because there's a lot of little things that are you know really hard and then the later years it's a little bit more fun like so even though it's super super busy and you could hurt your marriage if you're not careful i do want to encourage you all that the teen years are a lot of fun because you're watching all the fruits of your labors from those early years. Right. Well, and it's, I mean, it's good that you mentioned too, though, it, it's still hard, you know, because I'm sure you guys could just kind of be ships passing in the night between carting this one this way and this one this way. And you really do have to be strategic about planning that time. That's something even my husband and I have learned that, you know, we try to run this business together and there's times I have to put a reminder in my phone, like mm -hmm. talk to Keith about this at this time. And it's, it seems ridiculous. And then the reminder goes off and I'm like, oh shoot, we got to drop what we're doing. We got to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good for you. And we had to schedule in Monday nighttime for even intimacy um, when I would normally just want to see clients. And, you know, that's something I've had to do a lot of over the years, say years is say, you know, I have to put my marriage in there, not just mm -hmm. other people's marriages. Like I said, I'm not the best with my own. And my husband's like, hello, like <laughs> our kids finally all have a sport together. Yeah. Like this is the only year they do. Can we have that hour and a half together? And I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> yes. And yeah. So it's kind of like funny how you really have to fight for it. You do. Yeah, you do. Now, <laughs> I love asking at the end of podcasts, um, the guests that I have on that are moms, how you feel like you have upgraded since becoming a mom. So there's, like you said, those early years and beyond are hard. They're amazing and they're hard. And I know that when I was pregnant, I felt like I saw a lot of the negative online and it almost scared me and now that I'm in it I'm like hey there's a lot of positives too so I would love to hear from you like what's something positive that you've seen within yourself since becoming a mom or even now like as a seasoned mom with children that are a little bit older well I think that it's helped me to be a lot more innocent I always had a wild streak and just watching how important it is to do good things and modeling that for my children. I've seen times when I could just be like, you know what, I'm just going to do this or that and have fun. And, you know, I would say 85 to 90% of people start getting kind of wilder again as their kids get older. And for me, it's been kind of a white knuckling experience at time to stay as like good and true as I can to be a good mentor for my kids. But I've been learning that either you're going to let yourself make your kids like worse, or you're going to let them in their innocence make you better. And so I've, re I've said no to a lot of temptations because I've been watching my amazing daughters watch me and I want them to be strong women of faith who know how to use healthy self-care resources. 
and just really be strong. Even on days, my husband and I are having a bad day. Um, it's just, Mm -hmm. I'm and my son as well. I'm just always aware of these young eyes watching me for leadership. And my mom was an amazing leader example to me. So I want to like, even if I could do half the legacy she did, that's my goal. And I see it happening and it's really amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that. And it's, you're right. They are always watching. I had someone, um, a previous guest share similar, but different to how you shared, but saying that, you know, she knows that her kids are watching her. So, you know, when she's getting ready to do something that really scares her or makes her uncomfortable in the past where she could kind of just shy away from it, she felt like it was really her responsibility to kind of be brave and do it because her kids were watching and she wanted them to know, um, you know, that they could be brave too. Wow, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I loved that. Now, kind of as we wrap up, can you share where people could find you um, on your website and on social media? And then if you were offering ways that they could work with you, how they could find that as well? Sure. So if you want to check out my podcast, it's at Apple Podcasts under Enneagram and Marriage. And my website is Enneagram and Marriage as well. And I do have a section on the menu called How Do We Find Our Types? Or if you already know your types, I have pairing booklets if you want to know about how you guys might glow together. I have a brand new planner coming out for January of 2022 where it walks you through every single week ways that you and your spouse can journey together with Enneagram learning. And I cannot wait to start this with Wes because we got our binder and we're just ready to have our Friday morning every single week, talk out conflict, communication. I go through all the topics, goal setting, adventure planning for the whole year and fitting in date nights. So that's how I'm trying to right now reach people because personally, I don't have the reach for more, excuse me, for more coaching clients right now, but I've also trained an entire team of Enneagram and marriage certified counselors and coaches, and I have a local staff as well. So I have people who can coach on my team, even if I can't. That's amazing. I love, I'm going to keep my eye out for that journal too. My husband and I love doing things like that to be able to just have that intentional time to kind of map it all out. So I think that's really great that you're putting that out there. Thank you. It's, it's a blessing. I'm so happy I get to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and for sharing all of this. I'm going to put a lot of what you shared in the show notes too of where people could find you, where they could figure out their Enneagram and all of that because you did share a lot of good information today. Thank you so much. You are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Mom's Full Circle podcast, be sure to hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our new episodes. I'm always looking to expand my tribe, so please reach out. You can find me at Caroline underscore Prestano on social media. I can't wait to connect with you, and I'll catch you in the next episode.